Yeah, I'm not going to say anything more. I'm going to I'm going to get in my Bible. I am so happy to be here with you. I am so happy to be with you. Um, first of all, if you didn't get a, a bookmarker, my brother makes these. I just love them. But this has so much to do with today's lesson that I wanted to make sure that everybody had one of those. And hopefully you grabbed your cookie um, on the way in. And uh, let's open up in a word of prayer so my thoughts will kind of tumble in some kind of order. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Father, even as we sit here together, may our hearts on purpose tune in to the truth that we so desperately need. We need you, Lord. We need the light of your love. We need it to shine through us. And Lord, I pray that as we study this truth, that you've laid on my heart. God, that it would minister to every heart here. We praise your name for who you are. Thanking you, Lord, that you are our Heavenly Father and that you love us. Lord, we lift up these multiple needs just in this small little classroom. And Father, we thank you that you know about them. We cast them in your care. And Father, we can't wait to see what you're going to do in each one. Lord, I do specifically pray for Bill Brady. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Lamentations. I've been gone, but do you recall the verse that we've been going over since the beginning of this new year? It's what I want you and I to recall to our mind every Sunday that we get to meet together, unless we're in heaven, and that's going to be even better. So this Sunday, I'm going to say to you, Lamentations 3, 21 and 22, this, Jan, it's nice to have you in class. I've never had you in class before. It's great. It's good to be in class. This I recall, this I, it's personal. This I recall where? To my mind. Therefore, have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, coupled with that is Psalm 31, 14, and 15a. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, and see, I love this. By the way, hi, Deb. By the way, David is in a really hard time. David went through horrible hard times. Had way many more hard times than he did have palatial kingly times, okay? And this is what he said. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. He's in a really hard time right now. A really hard time. And he says, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. Now then, ten words. Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. You have a Sunday school cookie that's shaped like a clock. You see the hour on it. You see the hands on it. You see the time on it. It represents this key thought that we need to think about. Thou art my God, my times are in thy hand. Last week was time change Sunday. Time, time. How many are still feeling the residual of that lost hour 
oh my word. I thought, how can I be so affected? I was talking to Colleen on Wednesday night and I said something to her I probably should have just been quiet about, but I said, I am dragging. I am so tired. And everybody I talked to, even everybody under 35 that I talked to, they said the same thing. They said the same thing. How can one lost hour of time so affect us? Well, the whole subject of time is a mystery. Time is a mystery. I love that our mornings are getting darker and our evenings are staying lighter, don't you? But the fact of the matter is it's still 24 hours. It's still 60 minutes in every hour. It's still the same time. And my time just flies by. Not only is, is time a mystery, you know, tomorrow is first day of spring, the equinox, okay? That means equal time, time light and dark. It's such a mystery as the earth rotates and as we rotate around the sun, the truth is this. Thou art my God, my times are in my hand. I trust in thee. Time is a mystery. Time goes by so quickly. Time flies. My days melt faster than a piece of dove chocolate on my tongue. My days absolutely fly. I want us to say together as a class the truth from Psalm 31, 14, 15. There are 10 words. I want to cement them in our minds. They go like this. Thou art my God. My times are in thy hands. One more time. Thou art my God, my times are in thy hands. We need to know that because while time may be a healer, it's a terrible beautician. <laughs> time changes everything. Time is so relative. While every day measures out to how many hours, class? 24 hours every day is the same time. What we put in those 24 hours can make it feel like an eternity or a flash in the pan. For instance, waiting for an operation, time just crawls. The day after surgery, time just does not move because of recovery and pain. But compare that same day to a day on the boat, on the lake. <laughs> compare that same 24-hour period to quilting or gardening. The time just flies, doesn't it? Time is a mystery. It is so relative. Then the other aspect is we can't hold time. And you and I need to change our paradigm, our thinking, and even our verbiage concerning time. Because we keep running out of time. We continually whine about needing more time. We chafe as we go through a bad time. See, time becomes a daily rub on our soul and spirit because we are such a juxtaposition as we stand here, body, soul, and spirit. My soul and my spirit, your soul and your spirit are eternal. But the physicalness of us, the dailiness of us, is temporal. Matter of fact, it's vaporous. And so these three parts, my eternality is in conflict with my temporary physical self. And it's a rub. And it builds anxiety unless I get God's paradigm 
concerning my time. Only then can we make friends with time. Friends are a horrible taskmaster if, taskmaster if we don't view and understand and think about our time, our short little vapor, in light of God's truth. So we're going to get into that right now. We can't hold time. Uh, the real you and the real me, the soul and spirit, is eternal. It lives in conflict with our moments. The ticking of our biological clock can become as fearful as the crocodile on Peter Pan. <laughs> tick, 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 always chasing us, always there, until we understand God's purpose for my time. I want you to turn to the lady next to you, and I want you to tell her, get God's purpose concerning your time. Tell her. Tell her. Because until we do, there is a lack of peace. There is, a, there is a lack of peace that we live with every day. We go through every day being chased by time and what is put in our time because we do not understand what God wants to teach me concerning time. The wisest man that ever lived writes in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. God has a purpose for our time right now. God has a purpose for the time that happened last week. He has a purpose in the time for this afternoon. And only when I hug this truth that God has a purpose in this vaporous time, only then can I know God's peace. Because many of us right now are going through, ready, a hard time, a hurtful time, a waiting time. And there's an angst inside of us that chases away the peace of God because we are not thinking about this time in light of the truth of the word of God. And I can't wait to show you this truth. Practicality. Hug the truth that to everything there is a time and a purpose. God has a purpose in this hard time. Say it again with me, those ten, those ten words. I trust in thee, O Lord, my times are in thy hand. My times are in thy hand. Matter of fact, the little book note that I gave to you says that. So here's some things to consider. You're in a time where prayers are not getting answered. Trust. David said, but as for me, I trust in thee, O Lord. That's this verse right here. But as for me, it's very personal. I'm in a hard time. But as for me, O Lord, I trust you in this hard time. My times are in thy hand. Prayers aren't getting answered. Trust. Dreams are dissolving. Trust. Plans are falling apart, trust. Health failing, trust. Heart aching, trust. The most practical suggestion I can give to you that cements this truth, these words in our mind and our mouth every morning. You know the mantra, when your feet touch the floor, get in touch with your father. The most practical thing you and I can do is say, this time you've given me today, Lord, thou art my God. 
my times are in thy hand. And then I want you to add a little part to it. Ready? Because this engages our faith. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in this time today. That engages my faith. That does not then allow my verbiage to go the other way. Blah, blah, blah. Engage your faith. Okay, let's study God's view on time. Oh, I've got to pack so much in. I love the little story of the toddler who had been whining and crying all morning. The tired mother scoops him up, pops a pacifier into his mouth, and begins walking in circles. And in her weariness, she too starts crying. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the tears are really, really flowing. Well, in surprise, the toddler looks at this crying mother, takes the pacifier out of his mouth, and pops it into hers. <laughs> this is exactly what God's word does to my chafed, crying soul. He has exactly what I need to taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good in this time. We all know about rough times, weary times. Think about your time last week. Did you have a bad day? Okay, this is going to get so good. I can't wait. Did you have a bad day? I had, I had a number of bad days. I had a number of bad times. I had a number of hurtful moments. I had a number of wearisome things. I prayed most of the night last night. I prayed, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. So in reference to, ready, having a hard time, according to scripture, now get this, according to scripture, it is impossible to have. It is impossible to have, to have a hard time, to have a bad day, to have a worrisome thing. It is impossible to have. You say, well, Kathy, I know verses of scripture that say have, to have in them. And yes, you're right, but you've got to remember this King James Bible that I love and cherish is a translation from the original, written this way so that I can understand what the original said. In the original, in the Hebrew, there is no verb for to have. It is impossible to say to have in the original. Now, isn't this, isn't this beautiful? So... One writer puts it this way, in the divine tongue, you cannot possess anything of this world. I can't have it. Let that percolate. In studying this truth, I immediately think back when Caitlin was about four years old, and she has given me a bouquet of flowers picked from my yard. And she says, Grandma, I have something for you. I have it just for you, and it's just from me. And clutched in her chubby hands, she has picked a huge bouquet of beautiful purple clematis from my vine. Growing up, my clematis, my trellis, in my garden. And she repeats, I have it just for you. Well, guess what? She didn't have it. It was already mine. 
All right, this is the truth that God wants you and I to get, Karen. It's this, the point God wants me to understand. It's First of all, it's not to prove his ownership. God never has to prove his ownership. God always teaches on my behalf. It's not to prove something. It's so different than the way, oh, I don't want to go there. So anyways, he wants to teach me. Do you know why he wants to teach me this truth that I cannot have? He wants to teach me this truth, Jan, so I can live free today. It is so beautiful. He wants to teach me this truth so I can live free from the horrible tyranny of time, from the wicked taskmaster of time, of a hard time, of a bad time. Time is cruel. Time chases. And it's only in Jesus that we find the freedom to live. John 10, 10. Jesus says, I am come, not for a good time. I am come that ye might have life and have what? life more abundantly. So let's pursue this point. In the Hebrew language, there is no exact way of saying to have. Speaking Hebrewly, if that's a word, I can't possess anything of this world. In all the things I have, in all the things you have, speaking Englishly, I can't keep them. I can't keep any of them. I really don't have them because I can't keep them. All we have is temporary, just like time. It is borrowed. It was never mine to begin with. Everything you and I have, like the flowers Caitlin was giving me, they were borrowed. Everything I have personally, family, security, talents, health, time, our Sunday school class, everything we have is for a very short, vaporous time. And I have to let them go because they were never mine to begin with. From our children to our families, they were never mine. They were God-given for a certain limited time. Now, when I think I have plans, when I think I have security, when I think I have family, when I don't have, this is what happens inside of you and me. Ready? We live in anxiety. There is an, inter, an inner conflict that happens when I live in conflict with the truth of the word of God. I am complete in Christ. Nothing else completes me. And as I strive to find my completeness in other things or my security in other things or my joy in other things, there is an automatic, as a child of God, there is an automatic conflict that happens in my soul and spirit and in my heart and mind. It goes back to this verse. It is by the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, that we're not ate alive with the cares and the problems and the situations of our day, Nicole. It is by the Lord's mercies we're not consumed by them. His compassions fail not. Kathy, I compassionately teach you my truth on time. Get it into your time today. It's going to save your day. It's going to save your heart and your mind. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving be made known unto him. And then the peace of God that passes all. But if you don't get a grasp on, on the fact that we can't have. Now, there's a positive side of it. You can't have a bad time. You can't have a bad time. 
You can't have a bad day. It was never yours or mine to begin with. Now, we can feel the emotion of a disappointment. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't get ahead of myself. Or I'll get it out of order. And it's got to stay in order. I wanted, to, I wanted this, this point. Um, when I think I have, when I, when I live with thinking I have, when I don't have, I live in conflict with the truth. It will always create anxiety. You know any miserable Christians? Okay, in, so, in some aspect, they're living in opposition to the truth. You look at Paul. Did he have some conflict? Did he have some opposition? Did he have some bad time? But you look at the testimony of this life. He says, I, I have all I abound. Great peace have they which love the Lord. Nothing offends them. When I fight to keep what I don't have because I'm living in opposition to the truth, what I have is never enough. Haggai, the preacher, challenges us with this. Consider your ways. I say it like this, KJV, Kathy Jackson version. Consider your time. Consider your time. You've sown much, you bring in little. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. I'm always thirsty. In other words, all the things that I fill my life with, they do not bring fulfillment. You clothe, but there's none warm. Externals do not warm my heart. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put in a bag with holes. My pursuits will never be enough. And this rolls me into a big body of discontentment. Wow. Jesus wants me to find my completeness in him. I love Colossians 2.10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. And knowing this, that I'm complete in him, and I let go at what I think I have to have, is only when I find his sweet peace. Look what happened in the Garden of Eden. The temptation was not the sin. Satan tempted Eve with thinking she needed more. Eve began living with this mantra, I have to have it. I have to have it. And before we get real judgmental on Eve, what was in your week last week that you just said, I have to have this. I have to have this. Okay, immediately I'm putting myself in conflict with the word of God because God says, no, Kathy, you can't have it. It's not yours to have. You are complete in me. Let your request be made known unto God. Let your request be made known unto God. Casting all your care upon him. And I'm going to give in, get in some illustration that will draw that point a little bit better. But back to Eve. She was in opposition to God's word when she started living with, I need to have this. Then she started justifying. It looks good. It smells good. Okay. Now, Eve knew the truth. But she did not apply. What was the truth? The truth was the word of God. We have the truth. We have his word. Eve had the truth, but she didn't apply it to what she had to have, did she? What was the result of that? I'll tell you the result of that. The result of that is you and I are sitting in the middle of March on a cold, wintry, blustery day in Saginaw, Michigan, rather than sitting in the Garden of Eden and walking with the Lord tonight. Because my insistence upon what I have to have, my way, is always going to affect others. The sin in the garden affected all of us. My sin will always affect others. Tell the lady next to you, sin always affects others. Tell her, we are not an island. 
my choosing to have in opposition to God's word always affects others. Now, I'm, I'm not, I don't want you to turn here for time's sake, but I want you to write this down, Luke 10, 38. Luke 10, 38 through chapter 11, 13. The story is a well-known story. It's Mary and Martha, all right? It's Mary and Martha. We all know it. Now, I want to quote the first part of it because it's something that just jumped out at me this week that I don't think I ever recognized before. Scripture begins, um, Now it came to pass, as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain, this is speaking about Jesus, and he entered a, a certain woman named Martha, received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which, now the next word is also, which also sat at the feet of Jesus. So they were both sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary, we all know, but yes, Martha was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, can you imagine having Jesus in your home? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine talking and him sharing and knowing he loves me with a love that is unconditional, no cover-up? Kathy, I know you, and I love you anyways. <laughs> this, is, this is Mary and Martha sitting there at the feet of Jesus. But while they were both sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him and his word, Martha was sitting, but she wasn't worshiping, she was worrying. Martha was not worshiping, she was worrying. Do you know why? Do you know what she was really doing? She was thinking about all the other things she needed to have. I need to have the potatoes mashed. I need to have the table set. I need to have the dessert made. She had a misplaced need to have. She had to have her way. She had to have her menu. She had to have her perfect dinner. And it took her to the wrong place. And as she worked her way into the kitchen, excuse me for just a minute, excuse me for just a minute, I have to, I have to do this. See, the priorities were wrong. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Can you imagine substituting sitting with Jesus over going to the kitchen? But see, that's how, that's how, and before we get too judgmental with Martha, I've been there. I've been there. Maybe you were there this morning. You're sitting here on Sunday school, and your Bible is open, and, and you love being here, but you're not worshiping. You're worrying over something right now. Martha. And it's the wrong, it's the wrong view. It's the wrong priority. It's the wrong heart. This wayward, sheep-wandering heart so quickly wanders away from the feet of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit continually call me back. God, make me miserable when I step away from you. Pray it. I get to walk with you all day long. Martha walked away. She walked into the kitchen. And because she was now living in opposition to the truth of the word of God, she's living in opposition. She should have been worshiping. And instead she was worrying because she had to have something done. So, so the opposition happened. She goes in the kitchen, and um, her need to have her meal rose above her Savior. And in her conflict to have, she began banging cupboards and clanging pans and sighing loudly. 
People were hearing her over the words of Jesus. Why? Because my sin always affects others. Her need to have, to have distracted others from hearing, from fellowshipping with Jesus. Wow, here's the application. When you and I didn't get to have our plans work our way, what did people hear around me? I have a choice. Every time I have a choice, and so do you. Did they hear Jesus? Did they hear my faith? Or did they hear me clanging and banging about not having my way, about the only one who ever does what has to be done, blah, 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 blah. Last year, just at this time, I was so excited because Trina was going to fly down and be with us for four days in Florida. I made the best plans. I get to have Trina all to myself for four days. I get to have, to have, to have. See, we quickly live there. And uh, the, uh, the anticipation, the things we were going to do, the places we were going to go, I had them I had them all planned out. Thrilled that she was going to go down and for four days get vitamin D. It takes nothing to entertain us. We just love being together. Plane tickets, arrangements all worked out, only to have two of the children come down with a violent flu the day before she was supposed to fly down. I was so disappointed. But now here's the beauty of a learned response. I don't have a disappointment unless I let it get inside of me. And as that disappointment, I'm not, I'm not glossy, I'm not Polly, Anna. We feel the disappointment. We feel the hurt. Yes, but God says, don't have it. Don't let it find a place in your heart. Don't let it root down and determine the rest of your life, let alone your day. Don't have it. You're not supposed to have it. And so I took that disappointment in a learned response. Lord, you know. Oh, you know the mantras of our Sunday. God knows. God knows. God, you know I'm disappointed, but God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. And God... God did some wonderful things. She got her plane ticket money back. That was, that was a wonderful answer to prayer, some things. I know. I just wasn't going to say that. So, and, 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 you know, we still don't know. We're not going to know until we get to heaven. Why? But I know this. To every season, there is a purpose. God has a purpose. My, my point is, I don't have to see or know the purpose to trust my God. Matter of fact, if I do see it, it's not faith. Father, I trust you with this disappointment. Um, <laughs> now, what was miraculous about this situation was the sweet working of the Holy Spirit as he filled me with his peace and his joy, regardless. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. As you, as you re-sync your thinking of your time with God's truth, God has a purpose in this time. God had a purpose in that beautifully piece of packed luggage that we bought just for Trina's trip so she wouldn't have to check Lenny's luggage. We knew 
We knew we bought it on purpose for her trip, but God said, no, it's just going to stay in the closet. And that's fine. Because it wasn't my time in the first place, and neither was it Trina's. It was God's time. Now, what is even more profitable, oh, stay with me just for a couple minutes here. Going back to Martha, just for a second. As she's banging around the kitchen in irritation, making so much noise that no one can even hear Jesus, Jesus describes Martha as cumbered and troubled, which again goes back to our theme verse. She was consumed. Our compassionate God says, my mercies are new every morning. I need them every morning or I will be consumed with the stuff in the day. And God says, no, Kathy, I want to deliver you from that. Let it go. Open up your hand and put it in mine. It is not yours to hold. We get burned up with life circumstances. Oh, by the way, this is so profitable when it comes to the people in our lives and the people we work with and the world outside. You know that person that wrecks your plans? Okay. God equips me with his word and his truth to apply to that person. So I don't have a bad day because of that bad person. No, I can't to have. It's in God's hands. Kathy, don't you let that find a place in your heart or you're going to have an offense and resentment toward that person forever. What do you do with it? God says, you let it go, you give it to me, and this is what you do with that person who wrecks your plans. It's found in Luke chapter 6. By the way, we should memorize the chapter, uh, chapter 6 of Luke. It's amazing. It's all response things to disappointments in life. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love ye your enemies and do good. Lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be, ready, drum roll, great, great. So instead of that person that wrecked your plans being offended and being resentful toward them the rest of my life, and I look at them and I say, oh, great. No, I love them on purpose. I forgive them. I look for ways to be a blessing. And God says, child, now you're going to see what I can do, and it's going to be great Going back to Martha for just a minute. Here's Martha thinking she has to have. I mean, from the very minute, trite things of a dinner party to the really big things of Trenton, of, of issues with children with, or issues with husbands or issues with family, really, really big, serious things. Don't hold. Don't hold the burden. Cast it. Just think what Jesus could have done. We're talking about a dinner party that Martha, that Martha replaced Jesus with. Think what Jesus could have done for that dinner, Alice. Think what, what, a dinner for 12? He just fed thousands. He just fed thousands with fish that was better than red lobster, with bread that beat their biscuits hand down. Think what Jesus could have done, Lily, with that dinner at Martha's house but he couldn't do anything because Martha got in the way. Now, this is the whole point. Father, take my, what I think I have to have, take me out of the way so that you can do what only you can do. And you've promised me it's going to be 
great. It's going to be great. There are two more parts on this lesson. Some very practical ways in letting go. I'm not going to live today with the two have, and don't you either. You don't have to have. Matter of fact, when you insist on having your way, the mantra of this world, God says you're going to live in opposition. You're going to be miserable. Let it go and allow God to be the one in which you say, Dear Father, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Father, thank you that you give us the correct view of time. Lord, even as we step into tomorrow and it's the first day of spring, Father, it's your time. God, may we take this borrowed time that you've given us in this vaporous life and may we live it for your glory with all of our might. May we not be focused on what we don't have or what plans haven't turned out. But God, may we seek your face and may we look forward to seeing what you will do because we are not in the way of it. In thy precious name, amen.